Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. All right, welcome back to another episode of Account Trends, everybody. Jason Stein, your host, with my partner in crime, Mr. David Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great today. More pickleball each and every day as the weather gets warmer here in Florida. I keep getting uh, a little bit better at dinking responsibly with people. (laughs) What does that mean? It means I stand outside what's called the kitchen and I drop shot right over the net instead of slam it. That's the future. We talk about the future of accounting. The future of pickleball is less hard shots and more dinking. All right. There you go. Your, 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 your lesson in pickleball, folks, from, from David Bergstein, CPA. <laughs> um, so, David, uh, we were talking uh, last time when, uh, with Roman about the microwave technology. Tell me more about your Wi-Fi microwave. I hadn't heard of one of those yet. Well, I, I, I picked up some new appliances recently. It was not only the uh, microwave, which I still haven't figured out how to turn the Wi-Fi on, says to hold it down and it will automatically connect uh, to my network. But I haven't seen that. But I guess it's almost time for me to read the instructions, which I don't do. The the other appliance I got, and you mentioned that with Roman before, uh, is a refrigerator. Oh, yeah. That that too is connected to the Wi-Fi. But if I want to see what's in the refrigerator, all I got to do is knock twice on the door and a light goes on, and I can see what's inside the refrigerator without opening the door. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, and what a perfect lead into our topic today. We've uh, we've invited Roman back uh, to chat with us. Uh, a second, so a second time. A second Roman. <laughs> okay. Same, same great person. Different topic. We're going to actually dive more into because you know last time we talked about security and, and how technology plays a role, uh, or how security plays a role in technology. But I kind of kind of teased me a little bit. I want to talk more about technology because Roman's an expert in this space too. So Roman, welcome back to the show. We're glad you could uh, spend some more time with us. Well, thank you, Jason and David. I'm glad I made it past one in a row. <laughs> <laughs> so Roman, let's just dive right in. What what are the biggest trends that you're seeing in technology? Well, I think, you know, I think I mentioned to Dave a while back that I went to the, you know, I go to the Consumer Electronics Show every year and I cover that for the magazines. And um, probably one of the biggest trends is AI being built into everything. Now, artificial intelligence, augmented intelligence, you know, depending on your, um, basically your definition can be a pretty wide range. But uh, we see it being built in everything from toothbrushes to lawnmowers to baby strollers to cars. Um, um, even into bath toilets today, there's artificial intelligence being built into everything to kind of help you more so as a virtual assistant as opposed to actually becoming like the iRobot uh, thing that we all think about with general AI. I think I think what you're saying is kind of interesting that everything relates to AI, and I bet you the model's going to change for car dealers and everybody else where 
They're going to charge you a monthly fee or an annual fee to update this software that controls whatever device you have. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. Everything is like, you know, it's uh, a service model out there. And so it's the annuity we're looking for. And so as security becomes uh, or these breaches become more sophisticated, the software developers who run these products, whether it's the toothbrush or the car or your refrigerator, um, has to be updated to protect against that, as well as to add new functionality to the device out there. So um, we see it being a continued trend that AI is going to be in everything. Um, so we're even seeing it inside of the accounting firms that we're seeing tools to help. Like, you know, Intuit has tools that make QuickBooks easier to use to help reconcile accounts, to import data, uh, to create financial reports, um, you know, that uh, things that we should be aware of. So um, you're going to see very specialized AI being input into virtually every application as well as every hardware device. Let me hit you with a hard question. Uh, I've been constantly reading since November about this thing called chat GBT. And today I just read an article that Microsoft's going to put AI and chat GBT into everything. What does that mean? Well, remember the little paperclip that you used to see like 10 years ago in Windows 7 or something like that or 15 years ago? Um, what it does is it provides you recommendations and advice in real time. So ChatGPT is a software product. It's an application that came out of a company called OpenAI. And Microsoft is a significant investor in this OpenAI. And what it does is it's kind of like a Google search on steroids, but it uses what's called a natural language uh, interface. So David, as I'm talking to you or to J uh, Jason, I ask a question, it will come back and respond based on the information that it has been trained on, okay? So with ChatGPT, the 3.5 version that was released in November of 2022, got a million subscribers the very first week. It was trained prior to 2022. So the information that was in there basically um, is the history at that point and the answers. Now, it's not always correct, you know, because people can post malicious information. But what it does is it, um, if I ask you a question, it responds back um, in a very English-like, like you think you're talking to a human. And so you think about the chat bots, like when you're chatting with someone for customer service. Um, I think this is where a lot of companies are seeing use for it. You know, where um, if there's common situations inside the accounting firm or common questions on support, for instance, on how to use QuickBooks, those things, this chat GPT program can be trained to respond to it like a human. Um, and they just released the new version 4.0 um, in on March 15th of 2023. And basically that version actually adds video to it. So it can, if you show it pictures, it can actually recognize that as part of the chat discussion. That is crazy. Appreciate, oh, it's appreciate unbelievable. It. I appreciate that. I, I've been playing with it. And like you said, it's a lot of good things as a personal assistant, but it still has wrong answers depending on how you ask a question. But I loved it for, I said, write a letter to my client on the business conditions in Honduras. Yep. And it did, and it did, and then I said, make it snappy, change the tenor of the letter, and it did. Then I said, put it in Spanish, and it did. Yep. Uh, but 
So I think it's kind of great. But then I asked some questions about people and it got it wrong. Yeah. Well, it actually had me uh, graduating from a different college. You know, I said, you know, write a biography of Roman Kepchuk over the last five years. And it wrote a biography based on the information of the Internet, but it got the wrong university. It was out there. Um, The key here is, is learning to use the tool um, gets us comfortable with doing a natural language uh, interface with something. And I think what will happen is, is the next iterations, we'll be able to train it with specific data that you know applies to us. So customer service will be able to actually listen to data, you know, to previous calls or recorded calls and all that, learn what the right answer is and actually provide those solutions um, out there. Yeah. And that, that makes me think of, um, cause when chat GPT came out, I think, uh, the, the Bing uh, came right on its heels, right? Yeah. And Bing's been around, right, uh, as a as a search tool, but uh, the AI component got got released. I think probably from competitive pressure, right? And uh, I remember stories where people were were you know t- uh, giving it a command, and it would come back and present wrong information, and then they would say, "Well, no, that's not accurate. It's actually this," and the bot would argue yeah. back with them. <laughs> And, and that I was thought, because well, how are we going to train these things that the bots arguing with us? Yeah, and that's it needs moderators out there to do that. And so, Jason, as you start out the first question, um, Microsoft will be integrating the things that they know are correct responses to things or correct recommendations. And I think the first place we'll see it in like the Office 365 will be, for instance, in Word or Excel. Like in Word, you'll say, like just what David said make this sound a little bit snappier or make it sound like it was written by a person from England, that kind of thing. So, you know, it would spell color with O-U-R or something like that. And so um, it'll actually learn personas, um, but it'll also help us correct things. For instance, you know, it's like Grammarly on steroids where that's saying, you know, you're speaking, your words are a little bit, you know, too, uh, you know, too high level, you know, it looks like it's a college level. So you can say with ChatGPT, write this at a fifth grade level so everyone understands it. And it'll take your words and basically formulate them in such a way that a fifth grader could understand it. Or maybe the other way around. I can tell it, (laughs) hey, explain to me like I'm a moron how uh, quantum physics works, right? Yeah. (laughs) And, And help us learn. Yeah. And a lot of people look at it as being more of like a virtual assistant kind of thing. When you talk about this artificial, uh, uh, it helps us do better at our work. And it'll happen in our, our Microsoft Office applications. Um, it'll happen in our accounting applications. Um, as we build these, um, I'll, I'll say, has tech stacks that connect all the data out there, it'll help us analyze our payroll spending, analyze um, our receivables, those kind of things. You've just got to learn to ask the question to do that and make sure that the data is protected and secure inside of that, um, you know, infrastructure. Right. Right. And if you, you're not sure about that, folks, go back and listen to the, our last episode with Roman, where we, we <laughs> talk more about uh, preventing bad actors on your network. So, so Roman, I mean, this kind of naturally uh, lends itself to the, to the cloud question, right? We, we've, we've been having it, you know, pounded at us. The cloud is the future. The cloud is the future. Is this why? Well, it's just one of the many reasons. Um, it's actually one of the results is what I believe. If you look over the last two decades, the horsepower in the cloud has increased. The ability to um, build infrastructure, 
has become cheaper. Internet access is better. Um, it's created a global environment where people can come out and create applications um, that is available to all of us in the cloud. It allows for our clients to connect remotely, which works better than the cloud because the data is real time and both the accountant and the client can talk back and forth in real time versus what honestly I used to do is put it on a flash drive and send it to my CPA. Um, when we got advanced, we'd actually connect into their system, but they had to be there and doing that. Well, the cloud is the great democratizer. It allows the best technology at an enterprise level to be available from a sole practitioner to a small firm to you know anybody that's a rural area with an internet connection has access to the same resources, technology, um, and capabilities that the big players have that are out there. Let me interject. Do you think there'll be a time when there will be no apps installed on anybody's tools, whether it be a desktop or a PC or a phone, that everything will be homogenized in the cloud? Yeah, I think it'll be in the cloud. It'll be in multiple clouds, you know, because like, for instance, the way we are right now, we have our research in one place. We have our accounting product in another. Microsoft runs our office applications. But when we connect through the device, whether it looks like a laptop, it'll look something like a laptop or our smartphone, but it'll prove our that you know the security that we it's Roman or it's Jason or David connecting. And then it'll streamline the access to all these different locations where the data is. But from your viewpoint, it looks like homogeneously it's all available through the screen and the keyboard that's right there. Um, I think it's the only way long-term that we can secure um, all the data, the devices and those kind of things. And so um, the cloud, like I said, it, it lets everyone have access to um, all the resources. And today we think it needs to be enterprise class resources because it needs to be fast enough to be able to pull this data, interpret it, use the AI tools in real time. And you're not going to see that on a five-year-old laptop. Right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I think, spot on. Um, and I, I said, I, I tell people all the time, like, the, the reason why you want to be in the cloud is, one, it, in many ways, it's more secure. Um, and, and two, uh, it's the place where we can, where companies can and are innovating most effectively. And that that's within their own platforms, but also cross collaboratively. Um, because you can connect things together much more easily and much more securely in a cloud environment. And so and you can update them in real time, you know, so that when your uh, people connect to the firm's data resources, they're getting the most current application and the most current version. They're going to the same place as opposed to back in the olden days, you know, we used to make copies and put them on our, our, our laptop, go in the field and work, come back. And then like David would be working on a different section and then I would sing something and then David would sync and overwrite my stuff. Yep. In the cloud, everyone's working concurrently on the most uh, real-time data that is there. Yeah. So it's just a better environment. Uh, and again, the, the economics have made it such that um, for anybody who's managing their own network today, they have to plan like five years out where they buy a server. They have to plan for mergers, for growth. They have to plan for IT resources to update and maintain all that. Versus in the cloud, you're paying for a workstation that has internet connectivity and enough RAM uh, to load it. And today, we're actually recommending every computer you buy today uh, have at least an i7 processor and 16 gig of RAM. The reason being is we still need an operating system there. 
and an antivirus. And Windows is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger out there. And so uh, we just want to make sure that since these laptops or desktops are lasting, you know, five to seven years, that you have adequate performance and capability to make sure it continues working through the life of that 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 device. Yeah. So does a Chromebook fit in with that scenario? Yeah. You don't have it, to worry about installing anything on it? It depends on the, the application you're using. I, I will tell you that true Windows applications work fine on a Chromebook. But a lot of our accounting applications are legacy applications that have a Windows-like interface. And so those Chromebooks are using emulators to um, project on the screen. And so what we find is older accounting applications or legacy applications tend to work squirrely on a Chromebook, which means when the IT person's there, it's going to be fine. But when I walk out the door, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden I can't open my windows or I can't, you know, expand it or scroll over to another thing. And so um, I think for the next couple of years, we're still recommending buying PCs rather that um, just because there's times when accountants don't have an internet connection if they're working in the field or client site, um, or it's a poor connection. Um, I mentioned I use my mobile hotspot uh, when I'm on the road all the time instead of public Wi-Fi. And sometimes it is darn, darn slow. What, what size monitors should people be buying these days? Um, you know, the the, act, the best uh, advice I have on this is you need to have monitor space that is uh, capable of seeing all the things you need to do to finish projects. So today, for people, for instance, who are tax people, we rec- recommend dual oversized monitors, probably 228s. Now, there are big, you know, 49-inch monitors that are curved and widescreen that cost like $600. But we find for that $600, you get actually two 28 or 30-inch monitors that are flat panel and the bezel's very small. So it's between them, you can't see. But for that same $600, you probably get 40% more screen real estate. And the advantage of that is, is you can have, for instance, if you're a tax person, last year's um, tax return here this year's scan source documents, this year's input. You can have your collaboration software open here so you can work with the people who are doing that. Um, if you keep a timesheet, you can keep practice management uh, no, open. No, time, no time sheets. I, well, there's some people, you know, <laughs> there are some people that are uh, we cannot convince to throw away their timesheet. That's true, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah but um, they could have, for instance, the fixed asset schedule open down there, their research, you know, all those things um, at once. And what you have to realize is when everything's there, you're very quick at working because when you pull a number off the fixed asset schedule, it's 18,321. When you put it right here, uh, instead of hotkeying back and forth, your eyes will always double check and verify, and it's much more quicker. And uh, honestly, if you think about spending $600 for dual monitors, the ROI that's probably measured in minutes, not hours, Mm -hmm. based on what the cost of, uh, you know, the professional's time is today. Yeah, that's standard issue for us at, at Intuit. We we all have two monitors plus plus the laptop, yep. uh, and and so yeah, almost any line of work, right? It, that's going to be beneficial. I completely agree with you. What about printers? When are those going to finally be unnecessary? <laughs> well, I think we'll in the kitchen we'll start to see food printers that do pizza and chocolate, but the reality is is no one should have a printer in their office anymore unless it's for their kids' school projects, which those are going digital too. 
Um, we had, I mean, over the last five years, we were getting away from printers and doing multifunction devices that had scanners built in or faxes. Because if, for instance, you're in agriculture, for some reason, my ag, my firms that do a lot of ag clients, they still use faxes. And then with the IRS, you still have to use faxes, which is bizarre. Uh-huh. But um, we found that the need for printing today is um, almost uh, pretty much obsolete out there. And so, um, and even some of our smartphones today, they have the ability to have like scanning software built in. Yeah. So you can take pictures with documents, you know, Microsoft, I think it's called Inc. has it where it'll actually do a scan, not like, not like just a little check that we used to do for our banking, but it actually takes pictures of contracts of 1099s, W2s. It'll correct the keystone so that when you send that to your accountant, you know, like I'm missing a take. K1 or something like that, it actually corrects it so that it's scannable out mm-hmm. there. So I think it's more it. important to educate your people um, on how to use these other digital tools instead of a printer. Right. And the scan tools are free. I feel like my camera comes with it. I can yeah. I can push a button on my regular camera on my phone and it says scan document. And it, it does it. It it corrects that uh, keystone. It's hard to describe if nobody, if you're, you're not well, sure what keystone is. We're but... never straight on it. So it's right. that weird angle where it, it doesn't, it's a, a, what do you call it? A rhododendron or something? Actually, that's a flower. Right <laughs> it's a parallelogram of some kind. Something. Been but a number of years yeah, since geometry. <laughs> off center and the, the depth is different because you're holding the phone, you know, like maybe at an angle or something. So having that capability just gives you a cleaner scan, which to your point, especially in our profession, you're, if you're not using scan and import technology at this point, yep. what what's going on, right? Because it's not it's not your daddy's Cadillac. It, it's not what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's, it's evolved dramatically. And it's a significant time saver that a lot of firms are using to automate compliance work. And collaborating with clients is right there with it, right? So I love the the tie-in there. And yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I haven't, I haven't had a printer in my office since the pandemic. And I remember during the pandemic, people would send me something like, hey, can you print and sign this and scan it back in? I'm like, can you just what? put this in DocuSign? Because yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not printing anything here. Exactly. Sign it with your finger and be done with it. If exactly. not, it tells you about the technology of the person you're working with that, you know, right. they're way behind the curves. <laughs> like maybe we had to find a new banker or something if they can't DocuSign it. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, I think that's a good place to to finish off the show. Roman, really awesome conversation about technology from from AI and software and firmware all the way to hardware. Uh, so, so thanks again for for bringing your your rich uh, knowledge on this subject to our listeners. No, my pleasure. It's, like I said, it's always good to see you, Jason, and you, David. You as well. Pleasure to have you here. Looking forward to next time, Roman. Everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.